Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. When I was in college, one of the things that we liked to do was we would have like 10 o'clock basketball sessions. So the, the, the place where I worked was a church at the time, and we had... We had a gym at the church, and generally by like 8 o'clock, the thing was closed down. And so as soon as it would close down and everything was cleaned out and the cleaning crew would come through and all that, we would show up, because I had keys, and we would go in and we would play basketball until like 12 o'clock for two hours straight. It would be from like 10 to 12 at night. And we'd have a gym packed with, uh, with college students in there. And that was awesome, but you know what was better than the basketball? Crystals. <laughs> Crystals was better than the basketball. Now, I'm, that, this, is, this is the college Todd. This isn't the courage, uh, current Todd. I could not eat a gut bomb if you paid me a million dollars. I would not eat one of those steam bun little nasty fake. Oh, I'm sorry. You like Crystals? No, oh, okay. Oh, she won't eat it either. Okay, yeah. I cannot eat that thing, whatever that thing is that are Crystal's burgers. I can't do it. Twice a week. But the thing, the thing is, they were the only place open at midnight. And they had, at least in Montgomery, the best iced tea, sweet iced tea, and it was massive. Probably why I have so many uh, um, kidney stones. It's all the sweet tea that I had late at night after those basketball sessions. But it wasn't the food, was it? I mean, let's face it, Crystals is not very good. My dad, my dad loves Crystals. <laughs> he just said I sit on a throne of lies. Um, no, but if I ate Crystals, I'd just be sitting on the throne. So, <laughs> that was... That was a can of corn, man. That was, that was batting practice there. All right, so anyway, back to the crystals. It wasn't about the crystals, was it? That's not what made those 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock or to 2 o'clock in the morning sessions very good. It was the table fellowship. It was the conversations. It was the jokes. It was, it was the things that happened after crystals' consumption that made it so fun, Right? It was, the, it, was the, it was the guys getting together and just having a great time. It was more about being together. And, and most of the guys that would go and eat crystals afterwards were guys who were in my community group, my small group, or they were in the leadership team for this uh, local ministry that we did on, on different campuses. Um, and, and a lot of those guys ended up in full-time ministry. And so it was this, just an amazing time of being together. I think sometimes we lose sight that that's what God has called us to. When we talk about Easter meals, and the reason why I asked you what like, you like this, this morning is because when, the Easter meal, the food is big, but what's even bigger is, is the company, right? It's being together. It's, those, it's the laughter. It's the sharing things around the table, uh, the, the conversation. It's, it's the being together. That's, that's what makes it awesome. And so today we're going to look at this passage that I think we forget was all about table fellowship. I've told you that 
Last week we started it, and through Easter we're going to be looking at these snippets, these vignettes of the last moments of Jesus' life, and today we're going to look at the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, His last Passover meal. Today we're going to look at Matthew's version of it, so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 26, and we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 30. Now most of you have Bibles that break it off differently, but if you read it, the way I think you should read it, it should go 26 through 30. So some of you are going to have 30 in a different section of Scripture, but that's okay. Verses 26 through 30. Now what you need to know happened right before this, and by the way, this is just a little, this is a little added thing that when you read Scripture, this is important to understand. Context is key. Where does it fit in the narrative of that particular uh, book of the Bible And in particular, when it comes to context, what is right before it? So what occurs right before this passage we're going to look at today is Jesus telling Judas that he's about to betray him. So Jesus tells Judas about his betrayal, and Judas says, like, I wouldn't do that. But he says, yes, you're going to betray me, and that's just happened. And then on the heels of that, we get this passage. Now, as they were eating the Passover meal, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and he said, take, eat, this is my body. Let me stop there. There are four Eucharistic verbs that happen here that take place in multiple places in Jesus' ministry. Eucharistic means the Eucharist, it's the, the bread and the wine. And so there's multiple places where Jesus does these four things, where he takes, he blesses, he breaks, and he gives. Can you think of another place that that happens? Feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000, right? So this happens, and we come to this particular iteration of these four verbs. Now, it's interesting because he is changing it completely. In those other instances, he was providing for the sustenance of someone. In this instance, He's providing a different kind of sustenance, right? In the first, it was about physical hunger. In this, he is revealing a spiritual hunger and need. In the first, he was taking care of the basic need of food. In this one, he's taking the care of the basic spiritual need. So Jesus, in the middle of the Passover meal, takes the piece of bread. Many think it's the piece of bread that represented the coming Messiah. And he breaks it and he says, take eat. Now, there has been a lot written about this particular, this particular saying. Is it the bread that was blessed? Is the bread literally his body? What should we make of all of this? Well, it would be hard to understand it as it to be the literal body of Christ. The verbs don't fit. And the this is neuter. So what we think is the this in this part of Scripture means this whole experience. This whole experience is what Jesus came to give himself for. Now, that's going to make itself clearer here in a minute. But he takes the bread breaks it, gives it to his disciples, and he says, take, eat, this is my body. His body is not just the bread, it's the whole action of giving the bread over, the bread being blessed, it being broken, 
and it being shared among his believers. That whole process is the this. This is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, you will not drink again of this fruit, or I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So he takes the cup, which in the Passover meal represents the covenants God had made with Israel, and it's a covenant cup, a cup of covenant. And there's arguments about which cup uh, it, it would have been in the actual Passover process. It doesn't really matter. The point is, is this cup is representing a covenant. And what Jesus is saying is that there is a new covenant he's making. The this cup, it's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. It's, the, it's, it's a new covenant. So to understand what this means, you have to go back to the original occurrence of the Passover. To understand all the symbols that Jesus is pulling from here in this meal, you have to kind of understand the setting. And the setting here is the Passover meal. What did the Passover meal represent? By the way, we sang about it earlier. What did it represent? Right. So the Israelites were a slave people in the middle of Egypt. Moses shows up, or God shows up to Moses and says, you, I'm going to use you to set my people free, and you're going to take them out of this land of slavery and into a promised land. Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. Ten plagues happen. The tenth plague happens, and they say, okay, you can go. But before they went, and before that last plague, God tells the people of Israel, the Israelites that were living in Egypt, look, sacrifice a lamb Take the blood of this lamb and put it on your doorpost. That will be a sign for me that your house is protected and the angel of death will not show up there. Put this blood on your, on your doorpost and the lamb that was sacrificed, that blood of the lamb covers your house and protects you. So they do that. The 10th the plague comes. People die. Pharaoh says, okay, y'all can leave. They leave from Egypt. They go through the sea, and they end up wandering in the desert. But as they go, they take a bread, and it's a, it's a flat bread that doesn't have time to rise. So it is, it is the flat bread that we, we use to celebrate Passover. And this flat bread, then, uh, is a reminder of the quickness and the urgency and the freedom that God offered. So the blood or the cups... Of, of covenant in, in, the, um, in the Passover meal represent the covenants God, uh, that God had made with Israel, but it also represented the blood of the lamb that was spilled during the Passover. Make sense? The bread, the bread in the Passover meal represented the urgency with which they left. It, it represented the provision of God, and it represented the fact that God helped them leave Israel, I mean, leave Egypt and head towards this promised land. And so this Passover meal was a celebration of God setting his people free. And there was a sacrifice there, and there was bread that was used there. 
And so what Jesus does now is he comes along and he basically says, okay, well, this is a new covenant. That was the covenant that God made with, uh, with Moses that he was going to set his people free. And Jesus is saying, I'm the new Moses and I'm going to take you out of slavery and into the promised land. We're going to cross from slavery into the promised land. And we're going to ca- cross through the sea. I'm going to protect you through the sea. All of these symbols would have been at work in their minds when Jesus broke tradition that night and shared the new cup and the new bread and said, this is my body and this is my blood spilled for you. Jesus is saying, I'm the new Moses. I'm the sacrificial lamb. I'm the bread that's going to sustain you. Does that make sense? So these symbols all come to bear here. Now, what's interesting is to best understand what Jesus is doing here, you actually have to go back a few days to see what he did in the temple. When Jesus enters into Jerusalem that last week of his life, what did he do in the temple? He turned over tables. And why did he turn over tables? They were disrespecting the temple in a number of ways. There were shysters in there that were overcharging for the sacrifices that people were buying to use in the temple. So that's one of the judgments. That's right, Matt. The other one is this. They were setting up their stalls in the place where women and where non-Israelite, non-Hebrew people could worship, the Gentiles. So they were crowding out women and Gentiles. And so Jesus, seeing that, says, no, 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 no. Not only are you shysters and taking advantage of people, you're pushing out the fringe people. You're pushing out the people that our society says uh, don't count. And that's not what I'm about. So Jesus, through his actions that day in the temple, is basically saying, I've come and I'm the new temple and this building where y'all are celebrating this, all this is going away. You won't need sacrifices anymore. You won't have to come to this place to get right with God. I'm the new temple. So he does that, and then less than a week later, he shows up and he institutes this new Passover meal, which we know as the Lord's Supper. And in that, he's saying, in those two, those two actions, he's saying, I'm replacing the temple, and I am the new sacrifice. No longer do you have to have this building that you go to, and no longer do you have to go through all of these rituals, and no longer is this temple the place that God shows up. No longer do you have to take sacrifices over and over and over again because I'm the final sacrifice. So this is symbolism, but it's through his actions. It's hard for us to read into that, but the people of his day would have fully understood what he was doing. So when he says, take, eat, this is my body, and drink it, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins... He is, in essence, saying, I'm doing away with the old religious system. It's now about what I've done for you or what I'm about to do for you. But he does this in the context of table fellowship. These are his closest people, even the one that's going to sell him, the one that's going to turn him in, the one that's going to turn on him and cause his death. Even he is invited into this fellowship. 
And I think that's a great lesson for us. That Jesus shows up and he says, I'm inviting you. Come sit with me. I'm going to do away with all the religious stuff that you've had to do all throughout your life. It's, it's about me and relationship with me here at this table. And that's his invitation to you. He's saying, you don't need all the religious stuff. You just need me. Come sit with me at this table. Come break crystals and drink sweet tea with me. Wow. That was something. The other thing he's saying is, come and sit with me and share in this time with me and be in relationship with me because I am the one who loves you more than anybody else. So much so I'm willing to give myself for you. So not only is he inviting you into his presence, he's inviting you into his presence because he has something for you and that thing he has for you is forgiveness and grace, but it's not just forgiveness and grace. It's a new covenant. It's a whole new way of being. He has a promised land for you, and it's not in Israel. His promised land that Jesus is offering, that he's taking you out of slavery and into the promised land, is new life, a new way of being, a new way of experiencing the world, a new way of living, a new way of seeing life. A new way of experiencing life. And so this simple act of the Lord's Supper is so much more. It's full of symbols and it's full of invitation. Come be with me and come let me be your sacrifice. Let me give you new life. And those dual things, the temple... And the supper is the invitation. Come, be with me. Come, let me take care of you. One of my favorite authors and theologians is a man by the name of N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright is a, um, is a phenomenal theologian. If you've never read any of his stuff, I highly recommend it if you want to dive into something. One of my favorite books by N.T. Wright is this book called The Challenge of Jesus. He takes the symbols that Jesus is used, uses throughout his ministry, and he talks about how he was radically changing the world around him. This is what he says about this twofold episode. The temple was the greatest Jewish symbol, and Jesus was challenging it, claiming authority over it, when he went in and drove out the people and turned over tables, he was saying, I have more authority than this institution. He was claiming for himself and his mission the central place the temple had occupied. I'm taking over what the temple was. It's now me. Then he goes on to say this. N.T. Wright says, the last supper was Jesus' own alternative symbol. The kingdom feast, the new exodus feast. And just as the temple pointed to the sacrificial meeting of covenant God and his people, the sign of forgiveness and hope, of God dwelling in their midst as the God of covenant renewal, covenant steadfastness, covenant love, so now Jesus, 
by his double action, was claiming that there, that uh, claiming that here in his own work, in his own person, all that the temple had stood for was being summed up in a new and final way. I think that's a beautiful explanation of what happens here. So did you catch that? That the temple was, for God's people, the place where God lived. It was a symbol of forgiveness and hope. It was a symbol of God's covenant with them. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm the new hope. I'm the new forgiver. I'm the new presence of God on earth. In my person and in my work, I show up and I am that. You don't need the temple anymore. Now do you see why they wanted to kill him? This is kind of like the AI version of uh, the chatbot thing. I, I think it's going to do away with pastors. They, the chatbot can write a sermon now. Not really do away with pastors, but chatbot can write a sermon. As some of you have already figured out, it can write an essay. Don't write an essay with chatbot. Jesus is basically saying, all of this old way, I'm the new AI for it. I'm the chatbot, but I'm not just some AI artificial intelligence. I'm the original intelligence. I'm the only intelligence. I'm the one. He's replacing everything. That's how radical it is. He's in essence saying, I'm doing away with what you did. All of you religious leaders, you are no longer needed anymore. All of this temple and all that goes around it, it's no longer, it's a radical statement. And Jesus is saying, no, that's what I've come to do. And that's why they didn't want him hanging around. He was a threat to them and their livelihood and their way of life. He challenged everything they thought they knew about God. Ultimately, for us, I think Jesus does the same thing. He doesn't want your religiosity. He doesn't want you showing up to a building. He wants you in table fellowship. He wants you to embrace and forgive. He wants to be more than just someone you sing about. He wants to be your friend he wants to be your rabbi that teaches you and encourages you and helps you grow. He wants to be your savior, to set you free from all this crap. And that's the invitation. Jesus is better and offers better than steamed buns and fake meat. He offers better than 32 ounces of sweet tea, but he is inviting you to sit with him. He's inviting you to be with him. He's inviting you to allow him to give you new life. And that's what the Easter story is all about. We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.